Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these because they know they can never touch these. Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast, y'all. So I'm just going to go ahead and pre-warn all my non-Bravo listeners, or really all of my non-Real Housewives of Salt Lake City listeners, uh, because the next few weeks will have an analysis of that show included in every episode. See, the season finale of Salt Lake City aired last week, and we were given probably the peak moment of all Housewives history, maybe of all Bravo history. I know that last year I would have said that the peak Bravo moment was the Scandaval drama. However, the Salt Lake City finale, in my opinion, has significantly outweighed the Scandaval drama. So, for all my non-Salt Lake City listeners, there is a new cast member this year named Monica. We found out in the season finale that Monica has been running or has been part of running a fake Instagram account that is devoted to taking down all of the housewives of Salt Lake City. She was like a double agent, so she was hiding all of this from the ladies. After the episode aired, Monica doubled down on her deception and posted professional photos of her holding up fake newspaper articles with like a huge mugshot picture of herself. And I have no idea why, but those were deleted and the only photo that remains... Lydia is playing with a fucking cat toy. (sighs) Okay, I'm back. So I have no idea why, but those pictures were deleted and the only photo that remains is the one where she's holding like like the glitter covered uh, newspaper and it says in like graffiti paint, warming my hands on the bridges I've burned. Ugh. The cringiness factor is off the fucking scale. Also, no one gets their news from a physical newspaper. Okay, maybe not no one, but not that many people. Most people get their news from an iPhone, an iPad, a computer, but you can't really glitter those. Well, you can, but you probably shouldn't, and you definitely shouldn't burn them because you know you didn't purchase Apple Care. I mean, even if you get Apple Care, I doubt that voluntarily burning is covered, but it might be. Who knows? So after Monica made her post, Tanisha, one of the other people involved in running the Reality Von T's Instagram account with Monica, posted to social media. And apparently, Tanisha is trying to sell her story. Tanisha is a hairstylist and was actually Heather's hairstylist and was probably told a lot of secrets because hairstylists are basically creative therapists. So I'm sure that Heather told her a lot of shit. Little did she fucking know that this bitch was running an account that would attack the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City on the internet. So there are reports that Tanisha is now trying to sell her story and this is getting all kinds of very messy. I also saw a video that apparently Monica leaked where she was secretly recording her mom where they were having an argument and they were talking about the show and how Monica basically needs to be an actress. Monica's not doing herself any favors. This bitch has no problem secretly recording her mother and then posting it on the internet. She doesn't have any boundaries as far as I'm concerned. 
and people who don't have anything to lose like that are pretty fucking dangerous. It's like a kamikaze fighter, like I'm just going to take everyone down with me. And I don't really understand it because I thought her objective would be to ensure a spot on the cast for the next season. And I don't think this messiness is what Bravo is looking for. So apparently, Tanisha has a plethora of voice memos that Monica sent to her over the years, and I guess they are pretty fucking damning, because Monica posted about them the other day on her Instagram account saying, well, I'm, I'm going to shorten it a little bit because she was a tad verbose. She said, yes, I've seen the leaked voice memos. Imagine all the things you've done with your bestie or said to your bestie being exposed to get you fired. Just showing what's going on. I'm not playing the victim. Karma is real and I'm currently living in mine. Karma works quick, huh? Monica's got some damn issues because she's kind of having this like scorched earth mentality and is not holding back which really doesn't bode well for a cast member on a reality show. Like, Bravo wants you to save all that shit for the reality show. And Monica is out here leaking all of this shit, messy as fuck on Instagram. And I find it naive of Monica to trust Tanisha. Like, of course this deceptive shit was going to come back to bite you in the ass. Y'all, Word to the wise, if someone is doing deceptive, crazy shit to someone else, it is only a matter of time before that energy is directed towards you. I think it was smart of Tanisha to keep all of Monica's voice memos. And I don't think I've ever actually sent a voice memo on purpose. But now I feel like there's some voice memo community out there that I'm not aware of. And I'm wondering if I should start sending voice memos. I will have to figure out how to send a voice memo first. And I guess you can save them, so I better be careful what I say. So yeah, I don't think Monica's coming back for another season. I think she is a one-season wonder. She gave us some great shit to work with, but she's really not meant for this show. I could see her on Mob Wives, though. That might be more her vibe. I love the show Mob Wives. Damn, RIP to Big Ange. So yeah, I don't know what Monica is doing, but I think she should maybe delete her Instagram and focus on her four daughters. Monica is calling all of these voice memos her karma, so I'm imagining they're pretty fucking good. And by good, I mean juicy. But karma works quick, y'all. It also works every single fucking time. You do not even need to take other people down who are harming you because karma will do it for you. And karma can get people much better than you ever could. And then you keep your hands clean and you don't fuck up your own karma. I know Monica did this to herself, but I do still feel for her. I feel empathy for her. And at the end of the day, she still has to take care of those four girls on her own. If she's not on another season of Salt Lake City Housewives, I guarantee you she's going to write a book. She's going to sell her story to People Magazine. Something will happen where she will try to capitalize on this. And I don't blame her because lean the fuck into where you can get paid, but... Is this what she wants to be known for? Like, too messy to be a housewife? That is not a good look. But we wish her all the best, and I'm sure we'll see her on Trader Season 2. Y'all need to buckle up because we got a three-part reunion, and the first part of the reunion aired this week. Now, we knew that part one of the reunion wasn't going to be that big of a bomb dropper, but it was still good, and we did hear one of the voice memos. So, Monica had an in with this group because of Jen Shaw. 
who is currently serving a prison sentence after she pled guilty to fraud. So she's in jail. Actually, it's a federal prison. She's in the same facility as that one lady who did the blood thing. What's her name? Um, Elizabeth Holmes. So Monica, I guess, became friends with Jen Shaw a few years back. And after Jen's assistant quit, Monica decided to fill in and help Jen with errands like getting groceries and getting to appointments. And Monica, Monica admitted on the reunion that she was never paid. So this does not sound like employment as previously claimed by Monica, but actually being a helpful friend. So we know that Monica approached the FBI and told them that she had information on Jen Shaw's case. And in the finale, Monica defended her decision to testify against Jen by saying that Jen mistreated her employees and insinuated that Monica herself was Jen's employee. Well, it's not sounding like that at all. Like, not in the least bit. So now I'm curious, what was Monica's motivation for contacting the FBI? Andy was asking a question about whether Monica got paid, and she said no. And Monica admitted that she took time away from her kids for a job that did not pay her. And then questioning her motivation for associating herself with Jen Shaw. And Heather pulled out a voice memo of Monica saying that Kim Kardashian started out as an assistant and look at that bitch now. Yes, Kim Kardashian was, for a brief period of time, an assistant to Paris Hilton. But Kim Kardashian was still Kim Kardashian, not Monica Fowler. Monica's a bit delulu, and for those who don't know, that is a shortened way to say delusional. I have to keep up with all the hip shit that the youngins are saying these days, and the youngins are saying delulu, which fits Monica perfectly. I really think Monica needs to really do some self-reflection and think about the message she's sending to her for children. Hmm. And it's sounding like Monica targeted Jen to become her friend and put up with a bunch of shit to get on the show. And it also sounds like Monica reaching out to the fucking FBI on her own kind of sounds like she snitched. Like, what happened? What is her motivation to do that? Doesn't she know snitches get stitches? I would be afraid of when Jen Shaw gets out of prison. Man, I don't like Monica. And I certainly don't like Jen, but can you imagine them both on a future season of Housewives? So, I have been working on a creative project for a while that is starting to pick up the pace a little bit. I'm not in a position to tell you all of the details, but I have been working with a company to develop a product that I intend to bring to the market in 2024. It is clothing, I can tell you that. And I will be going to New York City next week for the first fitting. I've had to hire a model and everything, which is so fucking exciting. I cannot even express how fucking excited I am. Oh, if you have any recommendations on restaurants or bars or anything to do in New York, text me with them at 504-224-9919. I'll be there for about a week and then heading to New Orleans to walk in the Chewbacca Parade. I've been working on this idea for about six months, and I have definitely struggled over the last six months but I keep telling myself that I just need to keep going. Just put one foot in front of the other. I can get very overwhelmed by knowing that there's so much uncertainty in front of me. 
So the only thing that really helps me is to try and stay present in the present day and tell myself, okay, what is the next step? What do I have to get done today? What has to be done today? Because if I get in my head and I start thinking about the end result, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm fucking doing. I have no idea how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And those kinds of thoughts definitely lead to self-doubt. There's a quote from Jay-Z that I really, really like. He was interviewed by Forbes in 2010. Actually, it wasn't really an interview or really a conversation between Jay-Z and Warren Buffett, and Forbes published an article from that meeting. The intent was to capture their different perspectives on success and wealth and to talk about the social obligations that come with each. The two ended up finding out that they had a lot more in common than anyone would have ever expected because we have a 40-year-old rapper from Brooklyn sitting on the other side, on one side, and an 80-year-old billionaire sitting on the other side. I kind of love this shit. I am a firm believer in that anyone, any human can find common ground with another human because all of us want the same thing. All of us need the same things. And we are so much more alike than we are different. But for some reason, we are fucking hell bent on magnifying the differences. Anyways, the Jay-Z quote. I'm not sure of the question that was asked of Jay-Z, but it had to do with being a genius in the music industry. Jay-Z gave his answer and said, the only genius thing that we did is that we didn't give up. That quote has stuck with me since I first heard it. And I want to say I heard it about in the last year or two, but it definitely was recently. It made me realize that we have all these skills, all these capabilities with us, and we choose where to direct that energy. And if we don't like the results of directing our energy on one path, we can change paths. Like the only thing that really made me want to become an attorney is because I decided when I was 17 that I needed to have a job where my income would be high so that I could support my child by myself because I never wanted to count on the other parent and thank God I didn't. But in my 17-year-old mind, my perception of success was a very distinguished, high-paying job and I don't like touching strangers so I couldn't go into medicine and be a doctor. But if I was to do it again... And I wouldn't do it again because all of these experiences have shaped me into who I am. And I really like that bitch. But if we were talking in a vacuum and I wanted to do it again, I wouldn't have gone to college. And I'm saying this in terms of today's technology because I don't think all of this shit was available when I went to college. Definitely not the way it's available now. But today, if I was graduating high school today, I would not go to college. I would take online business courses, which are everywhere now and way cheaper than going to college. I would figure out something that I could sell and I would start building an online presence and an online store. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to college, but this is what I would have done if my goals were to make a lot of money and have control over my time. I keep seeing articles that college is going to be absolute in the future for a few reasons. First, online education has grown exponentially since the pandemic. Everything online has grown exponentially since the pandemic. Second, the birth rate decline that began in 2008 has not recovered, meaning colleges will be impacted by a rapid drop in college-aged individuals in the general population. Also, having a college degree and attending college really doesn't prepare you for the workforce. I can give my first-hand account to support that statement. 
I also believe that jobs will stop requiring a college degree in the near future, and that lack of a requirement will impact college enrollment. I mean, we get out of college, we go to our job, and we're like, what the fuck did I go to college for? It's kind of fucked up. Same thing with law school. You go to your first job and you're like, what the fuck did I go to law school for? I do feel like in law school you're taught how to spot issues and you're taught how to think like a lawyer, but I could have gotten that handled in like one year. Things are starting to change because the institutions that we were told were supposed to serve us and set us up for fucking life have fucking failed us. We were given the playbook. You go to college, you'll get a high paying job. It's naive of me to have thought this, but I thought it would have been more of like an automatic thing. Like people spoke about jobs like they were so amazing and so secure and wonderful and treated you right. Same thing with law. It was like if you became an attorney, then you were going to work very hard and you would get a high paying job. Not the case. The issue that I have with these institutions is the time commitment and the energy and the effort and the money that you have to throw into it. And again, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. I go through all of this to say that the things that we thought were a sure thing have ended up becoming a thing of the past. And this change is happening very quickly. I don't know about y'all, but at this point, I'm sick of waiting for things to get better. I'm putting my future in my own hands instead of waiting for someone else to give me an opportunity. Ever since I started my creative project, this Jay-Z quote has stuck in my mind. The reality is you will accomplish whatever you set your mind to as long as you don't give up. Giving up on what you want is the only way you fail. So take it from Jay-Z and don't give up. I wonder if a video of that interview with Jay-Z and Warren Buffett is available. I'm going to look for that. Another notable interview that has taken social media by storm is the interview of Cat Williams by Shannon Sharp. I love Cat Williams. I love his comedy. I love his entire demeanor. And I think he is truly one of the greatest comedians out there. I also really like Shannon Sharp. He's a commentator on one of those sports channels. I like Shannon Sharp because he is so passionate when he speaks. It is very engaging. And I loved his outfit on this episode with Cat Williams. I love the outfit. I love his sneakers. I love his glasses. I also really like his smile. The man has one of the best smiles I've ever seen. He had this one show, or he used to have this show with this other guy, and they would just fucking go at it about sports. And I just love that enthusiasm. Wait, is Shannon Sharp married? Hold, please. Okay, it doesn't seem like he is married. I feel that the person that I will date won't want kids. Or has already had kids who are older. And Shannon fits that description. So hit me up, Shannon. The interview was two hours and 45 minutes long. And it was for an episode of Shannon Sharp's YouTube show, Club Shay Shay. Love that. Might I add they are drinking cognac the whole time. So may have been a little tipsy. All right. So for the first 25 minutes, Kat is just popping the fuck off. He is going in on all of his comedian peers, calling out people who previously went on Club Shay Shay saying that they were lying and he had some points and he spoke with some fucking conviction. Shannon barely got 10 words in during the first part of the episode. So before I saw the episode, I saw several clips online from the interview, most of which I learned were taken from the first 25 minutes of the episode of Club Shay Shay. 
And based on those clips, it seemed like Kat was complaining and tearing other people down for no reason. But as the episode went on, he settled in and spoke extensively on his background. And I had no idea about most of his life. And I was shocked to learn that he temporarily lived in a park in Coconut Grove in Miami. But I'll admit at the beginning of the episode, I just thought he was being a hater. And I was thinking to myself, man, he sounds like a hater. I'm not judging him, but I hope he can find a way to spin this into gold. But like in a smart way, not like a Monica from Salt Lake City Housewives. My advice to Kat is to not be like Monica from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. That is a cautionary tale. But he kind of sounds like Monica now because he's like, I know so many things that you would love to know. And they know that I know. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, what if there was a part two of Club Shay Shay with Cat Williams where he reveals that he too is reality Von Tease? 2024 would have to be canceled. We would just have to start at 2025. I couldn't handle it. So I did think that he was a hater, but now I think he might be a genius. So the reason I think he is a genius is because he went off on all of his comedians on an internet show with a strong following guaranteeing a vast viewership and due to his 25 minute rant he got so much attention on the internet the full episode has now 41 million views and it came out only a week ago so I learned a couple things about Mr. Cat Williams. I learned that he was a child prodigy and was accepted into I think college at like the age of like 12. He came from a very religious family and ended up leaving Ohio at age 13. He said that he just went to a truck stop and he asked the truck drivers where they were going and went with the driver who was going to the warmest place. And he ended up in Miami. Kat revealed that he temporarily slept in a park in Coconut Grove, which is very close to where I live now. He also lied about his age to join the Marine Corps, was able to talk his way into boot camp, but then was kicked out after it was discovered that he was underage. So I feel that Cat is an absolute genius because he goes on one show, basically blows up the internet, and I'm sure this is beneficial to his ticket sales of the tour that he begins in a few days. Okay, so there was one comment that Cat Williams made on Club Shay Shay that rubbed me the wrong way. He said something like, we have women out here, can't find a man because they are acting like a man. And that we have alpha females who want subservient husbands. First off, what does an alpha female really mean? Dictionary.com says that an alpha female is a powerful and successful woman, often in a leadership role. What the fuck is wrong with that? What is wrong with being powerful? What's wrong with a woman being powerful? What's wrong with a woman being successful? And let me tell you, if there was a good leader in the role, we wouldn't need to ascend to a fucking leadership role. But with all due, as Andy Cohen would say, the traditional leader has not made female issues a priority. And we're basically running this shit. It's like we're running it, but we're not running it. You know what I mean? Like, not where it counts. Secondly, we don't want husbands. I'm sorry, but we are better husbands to ourselves. We are better partners to ourselves. Keep your dusty ass men. We are good being alone. Is that alpha energy? I don't hold the comment against Kat. I still might even go see his show, but I don't know where he's coming from on that one. 
Speaking of another comment, as you'll recall, I spoke a few episodes back on an article that I saw about Taylor Swift's private plane activity to see her boyfriend Travis Kelsey and that how she needed to plant like 2,000 trees or something to compensate for the ones she killed flying in her private plane. I made the observation that these kind of articles don't seem to be written about men and seeing their ladies around the world on a private plane, men such as Leo DiCaprio, who we know is fond of the younger worldly model types. I have nothing against Leo DiCaprio. In fact, big fan over here. My issue is that it seems that more articles are written about women and their romantic escapades and how they are ruining the planet and men are portrayed as these like James Bond, Bachelor, Superman, Savior types. Well, what would you know, the other day my happy ass was on Instagram scrolling through the feed, laughing at how funny some of the posts are. My scrolling quickly stopped as I came across a meme that reads, Taylor Swift produces 138 tons of CO2 emissions in three months to see soulmate Travis Kelsey. I was like, not this shit again. Y'all, I'm not even a huge Taylor Swift fan. I definitely listened to her first two albums, but I dropped off at some point. But I respect the fuck out of what she's built and what she stands for. And I also like how she refuses to engage in being pitted against other women and actually supports and builds up women. I think I told y'all in a previous episode that I have a newfound love for the comment sections. So I decided to write myself a little comment and I said, what do Leo DiCaprio's CO2 emissions look like? I know he isn't flying commercial and has ladies all over the world. I thought that was a fair thought-provoking comment to invoke an intellectual discussion in the comment section. So my comment has been liked by 122 people. Well, one mean old bitch did not like my comment and replied, but are his fans sycophants who defend his every move? Ugh, bitch, what? I don't even know what sycophant means. And after I googled the definition of sycophant, I had a feeling that she had me confused with a Swifty. Bitch, I am part of the beehive, and trust me, you don't want these problems. So, according to Cambridge Dictionary, a sycophant is someone who praises powerful or rich people in a way that is not sincere, usually in order to get some advantage from them. I still don't see how that applies to Swifty, but that's between at Jillian C. York and God. Now, at first, I was taken aback by the tone of this comment, like, Bitch, you're coming in hot for no fucking reason. And I'm talking about women, bitch. Get on my Barbie train and stop trying to use big words like a big old cunt. I didn't say any of this, but I was thinking it. And Jillian C. York caught me at a time in my life where I've had a considerable amount of therapy. So old Lindsay didn't respond. But if she was going to respond, she would have said something like, At Jillian C. York. How much did you pay for your little blue check mark? But I've been to therapy, so instead I said, I don't know about all that, but I don't see articles being written about men and their CO2 emissions. Leo is just an attractive example. Fucking nothing from Jillian. Fucking crickets. What do you got to say now, Jillian, huh? You didn't see that coming, did you? Jillian deleted her damn comment. 
What a fucking shame. I wanted her to engage with me. I did get one other comment that said, F Taylor and F Leo too. Well said, Sarah Lenaki. How are your New Year's resolutions coming? To be completely honest, I still haven't even made mine. I need to get on that. Maybe I should just do it right now. Okay, I need to break up the different areas of my life so that I can do specific goals for each area. So we have financial, fitness, social, what else is there? Career, relationships, educational, family, and spiritual. Okay, first is financial. I want to break my bad financial habits and I really want to develop good financial habits. This is so fucking important and it's very hard and money is intimidating as fuck, but I'm going to do it and it's a major goal for me this year. All right, fitness is up next. I'm kind of ready for my revenge bod. I'm ready for an ass. I'm ready for abs. I'm ready for toned arms. And I think I'm going to do it. There's never been a better time for me to do this. And I will feel so fucking accomplished and proud of myself because it's really always been a goal of mine to get super toned. Okay, for social, um, make one fucking friend. (laughs) I think I need to get out and about more. And I have a little bit, but I haven't gotten to the point where I'm doing it consistently. But it will happen. But yes... I would like to be able to put myself out there more from a social standpoint. Now, as far as career, this is going to sound weird since I have left my law career, but I am happy with the path my career is taking now. Despite there being so much uncertainty and chaos, but for the first fucking time like ever, I'm excited when I talk about making clothes or preparing for the podcast. I light up like... I get very excited and full of energy. While there were aspects of being an attorney that I thoroughly enjoyed, I did not light up when I spoke about it and I was not motivated or excited to get the legal work done. Like I love taking depositions and I loved going to court, but that's like maybe 30% of the job and it's not consistent. I had such a hard time concentrating on getting legal work done. But with my new business and with the podcast, I'm finding myself excited to prepare and execute the podcast and my new business it it just gives me fucking life now and I can just sit for hours and like edit a podcast episode and make videos for social media like and I lose track of time because I'm so focused in and I've never had that before and I did not feel that way about law like ever And I was hoping that I would get to a certain level in my law career where I would feel so excited and thrilled every day to be doing what I was doing. But the truth of the matter is that I wasn't happy doing that at all. I think my goal though, career-wise, should be to get organized. I've been flying by the seat of my pants with this business and just figuring everything out as I go along. And I haven't really taken the time to get all my ducks in a row all my paper organized, that kind of thing. So now I'm thinking that I should take some time off, maybe after my NYC NOLA trip, to get organized with all of my projects. I'm finding that being organized is absolutely essential, not only in my career, but in my whole entire life. Next up is relationships. 
in all my relationships, I need to make people meet me halfway. And I'm doing a pretty good job of that so far since I moved two states away, three states away. Had to get a little physical distance. But as far as romantic relationships, that seems less important now more than ever. But if I were to make a list of qualities in a romantic partner, it would be thoughtful, kind, respectful. There definitely needs to be chemistry and some sort of physical attraction. A good sense of humor, adventurous, loves to travel. I also think that maybe starting in March, I might, might I said, get on the apps. But if you want to shoot your shot, hit me up in my DMs. Um, I'll be responding on March 1st. Ooh, educational. So I want to learn to sew and I've already signed up for a class for that and I want to be able to communicate somewhat in Spanish. I'm also working on that with my Duolingo. I think I have like a 70-day streak on Duolingo. So that is something that I'm kind of proud of. Next up is family. I've actually never been closer to my family, which I'm very happy with. So I guess the goal would be just to maintain those relationships. Last is spiritual. I want to develop a consistent meditation practice. All the self-help people say that meditation is what takes you to that next level, but I have not been very good about implementing it. I meditated more when I was going through a hard time and still had to work in an office, but it was more of a necessity at that time. But now it doesn't feel as much of a dire need and I haven't done it, so I really need to put it into my regular routine. Um, yeah, that is the goal for me. Achievement of all goals require a good attitude and a solid effort, bringing me to my rich bitch tip of the week. We have very little control over things in life. It's actually kind of insane when you think about how many people are on this planet and living different lives at the very same time. It's wild. All the while, we are all floating on a marble in an infinite universe that I can't even begin to fully comprehend. There are two things, though, that we do have complete control over. The first is our attitude. The second is our effort. That is literally all that we can control, our attitude and our effort. Everything else is out of your control. So, Whenever you're not happy with an interaction or not happy with the way something is going, ask yourself, how am I approaching this situation? Do I have a positive attitude towards this? Am I coming at this with a ne negative attitude? What is my effort like? What action am I taking in this situation? Attitude and effort. A and E. The A and E channel. B, the A and E channel. So Potomac is finally back after the holiday break and the ladies are still continuing to celebrate Karen's triple 20 birthday in Austin, Texas. First, they go to a dinner at this gorgeous restaurant and of course, all get into a fucking fight. Robin goes to call Juan for support and he says, my FaceTime isn't working. Um, red fucking flag. What's wrong with your FaceTime, Mr. Play a Play from the Himalayas? Is that even a thing where FaceTime doesn't work? I understand there are times that where the video won't load because of the signal strength, but I've never heard of the FaceTime app just like not working, like ever. So what 
Don't you want your wife to see Mr. Juan Dixon? To make matters worse, when Robin starts confiding in him what had just happened and how it's making her feel, he cuts her off and just tells her to finally be the bigger person for once in her life. And he's yelling at her. Very dismissive, very minimizing, minimizing the entire situation and manipulating it, being angry at Robin for calling. Seems like he wanted to get her off the phone. I don't like Juan. I used to root for him and Robin to be together, especially because they had two children and they seemed like they had a lot of chemistry and were friends, but the way that he has treated her is absolutely unacceptable and she deserves so much more. Karen's birthday celebration continues and Ashley decides that they all should go to a drag show. So I liked Ashley's sentiment about supporting drag clubs due to the anti-drag bill being passed in Tennessee that was later struck down as being unconstitutional. But she was in Texas. So that really didn't make sense to me, but support the cause, babe. I don't understand why there is an issue with drag shows and drag shows with kids. Like, I would agree that depending on the nature of the drag show, there should be an age limit, but not all drag shows are the same. Some of them are family-friendly, and most of them are not, but some of them are. Quite frankly, people don't want kids at drag shows anyways. You don't want a kid around when a queen does a death drop and you, you throw dollar bills all over her. We don't need kids around there. That's dangerous. We don't need your nasty-ass kids running around everywhere. No one wants that. Not at a drag show, but there are family-friendly, specifically for family-friendly drag shows. I just thought the whole advance against drag was yet another waste of time and resources. I was watching an old-school episode of Beverly Hills Housewives. It was the Adrian Maloof days, the Maloof hoof and the tinsel extensions in all their glory. The ladies were at a party at Pump, hosted by Lisa Vanderpump, and RuPaul was there. I remember seeing RuPaul in the Brady Bunch movie when it came out in 1995. I was around seven years old then. And I remember thinking that there was something different about this fabulous looking woman, but nothing that felt dangerous or scary. I thought she was funny, sassy, and I wanted to know more. And when she said, you better work, I wanted to work. So I've been a fan of RuPaul basically my whole life. You can imagine how happy I was to see RuPaul on this vintage episode of Beverly Hills the other day. And he said something that really stuck with me. He said, we are all born naked. Everything else is drag. He's so fucking right. Like all of the clothes we wear, the way we express ourselves with our style, it's all made up. There's no predetermined way to express yourself. There has been a traditional way to express yourself, but by no means are we required to adhere to that traditional expression. Like, how fucking boring. The drag show that the Housewives of Potomac went to seemed like it was a really fun time. I'll be dead fucking honest, drag shows are probably one of my favorite things to do. It's such a safe space and you will just laugh your ass off and see an amazing performance. Y'all, I think my mailman, Jesse, is mad at me. Well, that's what I thought. And I thought this because I didn't give him a little holiday happy. And my reasoning for thinking that he's mad stems from an interaction that we had a few days after Christmas. I was receiving a package that required a written signature. And I was out of town in New Orleans when the package was delivered by mailman Jesse to my house. So he rang 
the Ring camera doorbell and I answered it through my Ring app on my phone in New Orleans. And he was like, um, hey, it's your mailman, Jesse. I have a package that needs a signature. And I was like, can I give a verbal signature? I thought this was a fair question, but Jesse did not seem impressed. And he was like, um, no. Do you want me to leave it with a neighbor? And I was like, um, maybe you could leave it with my neighbor, Diego. He was like, oh yeah, I know Diego. The interaction ended and I felt that Jesse was annoyed with me. And I tend to overthink things, but Jesse was giving me the impression that he was very annoyed with me. Then later, he dropped off a different package that I had ordered that did not require a signature. And I got a notification on my phone that there was someone at my door. And I watched the video and I saw Jesse bring the package. And when he dropped it off, he gave the package this like underhanded toss and it felt through the ring camera app that I was watching on my phone in New Orleans that there was an extra, an angry little oomph behind that underhanded toss. So then I was like, damn, he seems mad. I totally forgot to give my mailman a little holiday cheer. I gave the sanitation team a happy holiday present, but I forgot mailman Jesse. So I've had it on my to-do list since I got back from New Orleans and I finally got around to writing a nice little note and putting a little cash happy in an envelope along with the new stationery that I just got. Yeah, I'm a lady who has her own stationery now. You can text me and I'll send you a little note. 504-224-9919. So I write Jesse a nice note saying, thank you for all that you do. Here's a little belated happy holiday present. I take the letter to the mailbox by my door and I wait for him to get it. Well, he finally comes to get it and I was so happy. I mean, I was like jumping up and down. I'm like, mailman, Jesse got the gift. I was so glad he knew that I didn't forget about him. Well, I actually did forget about him, but then I remembered him, but I didn't remember him until after Christmas, but better late than never, right? I was glad that he got the little gift and then maybe would handle my packages with like a little more care. A little more tender loving care. A few hours later, I got a notification that there was someone at my door and I opened my app. It was Jesse. He was back with another package and wouldn't you fucking believe it? Tossed that package the exact same way he did before. He wasn't mad at me. This was just his technique. And apparently... My technique is to overthink the fuck out of everything. So the Jeffrey Epstein list has been released. The list was less revealing than I initially thought it was going to be. But after thinking it through, I was like, anyone who, where there was enough evidence to implicate someone would have been arrested. It's probably a good thing that it was better than I thought because we don't need any extra bullshit in 2024. There were a lot of prominent people who were listed, but... You want to know who wasn't on Jeffrey Epstein's list? Drag queens. It's looking like the people who are the most predatory are the ones in power. So maybe we should direct our efforts in changing out those people instead of making unconstitutional laws that violate basic human rights, okay? The season finale of Southern Charm aired and Taylor Ann is more lost than when the season started. First, JT professes his love to her, which... She rejects. Then Shep, her ex-boyfriend, pulls her aside to talk and he says that they should just be friends after Taylor said she might want to get back together. Taylor responds by saying, well, maybe I'll date your best friend Austin. 
So it became clear at this moment that all of this behavior from Taylor was really to try and get back with Shep. Which is sad because, as you'll recall, he doesn't give a fuck if the woman he's sleeping with has an orgasm. So Taylor, you do you, boo-boo. Poor JT has his heart broken when Taylor does not return his affection. JT, I have a little bit of advice. And it is, don't save her. She don't want to be saved. We got to learn to leave people where they want to be. And I'll use one of JT's references. You got to let that fish off the line. It's swimming the fuck away and it is about to pull your ass in the water. JT said in an interview that him and Taylor laugh a lot together and that as a divorced guy, I feel that if you can laugh together, you can get through a lot. Wrong! You can't love someone so hard that they change their childhood trauma. You can't laugh the trauma away, okay? People got to do the work themselves, and Taylor, Lord knows she needs some work. But who doesn't? I've never hated Austin more after watching the season finale, and hate is a strong word. And as Olivia said, yeah, it's strong. That's why I used it. I'm just kidding. I don't hate anyone, but... I did not care for Austin's outfit that he wore to Whitney's Valley of the Dolls party, which is a reference that I don't get. And he thought he slayed it. He wore this like mesh, like zigzag, Missoni looking number with these plaid pants. I don't know. I thought it was a miss. Paige and Craig looked amazing though. Madison too. Oh, Olivia too. The fact that Austin thought Olivia was going to apologize to him just shows the depths of his delusion. Also, Austin could use a little work, which was made clear after he headbutted JT. And God bless JT for standing on the damn chair so he could get eye level with Austin. And like a little bitch, Austin uses JT's instability on the chair and like headbutts him when JT confronts Austin about all of his shitty behavior. Ugh. Well, we will just have to see what happens on the reunion. That is it for episode 19 of The Rich Room, y'all. Text me with your New York City restaurant recommendations at 504-224-9919. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. Go ahead and leave us five stars and maybe a little comment. See you later.